Hey everybody, it's Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to this week's sermon podcast. Over the last few weeks in our sermons, we've been exploring a problem that has no easy answer, and that's the problem of pain in our world. And we've been talking about this because every one of us has experienced pain in our own lives, from biting our tongue, to stubbing our toe, to sitting by the hospital bedside of somebody that we love and care about, or attending a funeral. We've all experienced pain in our lives, so we've all asked questions about it, like, Why is there pain in this world? Well, in this week's sermon, that's the question that we're exploring. Why is there pain? We're going to be talking about the purpose of pain. And yes, there is a purpose for the pain that we experience in our lives. And believe it or not, it's not actually a bad thing. So let's jump right into this week's sermon. So over the last couple of weeks at Melbourne Heights, we have been wrestling with the problem that doesn't have an easy answer. We have been wrestling over the last few weeks with the problem of pain. And we've been wrestling with the problem of pain because we have all had to deal with pain in our own lives. Every one of us sitting in this room has had to attend the funeral of someone that we love. Every one of us has had to visit someone that we care about, a family member or a friend who has been suffering in pain in a hospital bed. Every one of us in this room has stubbed our toe or we've bit our tongue or we've twisted an ankle somewhere along the way, every one of us has had to deal with pain. We've all had to deal with pain in our lives. But what, what if we hadn't? What would the world be like if we never had to deal with pain in our lives? Seriously, what would the world be like without pain? What would the world be like without pain? What would the world be like if you never had to worry about stubbing your toe in the middle of the night when it was dark and you were walking around the house again? Or if you never had to worry about biting your tongue when you were enjoying your favorite snack? What would the world be like if you never had to worry about feeling the pain of a migraine? Or if you never had to worry about your arthritis bothering you again? What would the world be like if you never had to worry about breaking a bone? I have a feeling that a lot of us sitting in this room this morning would sign up for that world pretty quickly, right? I would. Now give me a world where I never have to worry about the plantar fasciitis I have on my right foot flaring up again. I could really use that world today after running nine miles on that foot yesterday. It hurts. Or give me a world where I never have to worry about feeling the weather changing in my left knee again because, yes, I'm 36, but my knee acts up whenever a weather front is going through. Give me a world where I never have to worry about a headache that will slow me down again. Or give me a world where I don't have to worry about a stomach ache keeping me up late at night. That's the kind of world that I'd want to live in. That's the kind of world that we would all want to live in, right? Wouldn't you love to live in a world without any pain in it? Of course we would. Of course we would all love to live in that kind of world because for most of us, pain is usually defined as an unpleasantness in our lives. Pain is a nuisance. It's obnoxious. It bothers us. And it keeps us from doing the things that we want to do and living our lives the way that we want to live them. And there just doesn't seem to be any real reason for us to experience the pain that we do. That's why a lot of us, If we were willing to look deep down and be completely honest with ourselves, we would likely say that pain is the one mistake that God made when God created our world. 
Because there just doesn't seem to be a point for pain. There doesn't seem to be a point for pain. So most of us wish that we lived in a world where we never had to experience pain at all. But there's something that you may not realize as we sit together in this place this morning. You may not realize that right now today, there are millions of people in the world right now that live every day without feeling any pain whatsoever. According to the Center for Disease Control, there are somewhere between 2 and 3 million people living today with a disease that is called Hansen's disease. Now, you may think that you have never heard of Hansen's disease, but the truth is there probably isn't a single person sitting here this morning who hasn't heard of Hansen's disease. Because up until it was renamed after the Norwegian scientist who discovered the root cause of the disease, Hansen's disease was better known as leprosy. But it's worth pointing out that the Hansen's disease that we talk about, the disease that afflicts these two to three million people in the world today, isn't exactly the same thing as the leprosy that we read about when we read our Bible. The word leprosy in the Bible, rather than specifically referring to what we now call Hansen's disease, was more of a catch-all kind of term that they used in biblical times that could refer to any different number of skin conditions. So saying somebody in the Bible had leprosy might be similar to saying today that, that, that someone has a rash. Now that rash may be caused by eczema, it may be caused by psoriasis, it may be the result of a bug bite or an allergic reaction, but Hansen's disease. It specifically refers to a long-term bacterial infection that attacks a person's nerves and causes them to lose any feeling whatsoever, especially in their extremities. This is the reason why we commonly associate leprosy with the loss of limbs. But in virtually all cases, leprosy does not directly cause the loss of a person's limbs. What it actually does is cause the loss of sensation and feeling in their appendages and extremities. And the person then does permanent damage to their own body without even realizing it. This is what the renowned Dr. Paul Brand discovered while he was treating people with Hansen's disease in India. Like many of the doctors who were treating leprosy at the time, Dr. Brand spent a large portion of his day simply bandaging the wounds uh, of his patients from the injuries that they had suffered, only to have that patient come back a few weeks or maybe a month or two later with a far worse injury than the one Dr. Brand was initially treating. So initially, Dr. Brand believed what most leprosy workers at the time believed, specifically that this bacterial infection that causes Hansen's disease was destroying good tissue without any rhyme or reason for it. But soon, soon Dr. Brand started to question his patients a little more carefully. He started asking them, whenever they came in for treatment, about the kind of activities that they were doing when they realized that they were injured. He started doing this after he saw one of his patients in particular. He saw this patient sitting around a roaring fire, even brighter than the Linton wreath we have in front of me. And he saw this patient take his hand and reach directly into the center of the fire to pull out a potato that another person living in the area had dropped in while they were cooking it. He reached in to a roaring campfire and pulled out a potato inside of it. 
And he had no idea the damage that he had just done to his hand. But Dr. Brand knew immediately that it wouldn't take long before this patient showed up in his clinic to receive treatment for what he had done. This is just one example that Dr. Brand saw where someone, simply because he couldn't feel the pain in his hand, had had unintentionally exposed his own body to terrible abuse. Dr. Brand saw this type of thing happen again with another one of his patients who is working in the community garden. Dr. Brand noticed that this patient had blood that was running down his hand. And the patient was completely unaware that blood was running down his hand because he couldn't feel the blood trickling down from his hand. So Dr. Brand runs over and he gets the guy to stop doing the work that he's doing immediately. And when he does, Dr. Brand takes the shovel the man was using to dig into the ground and starts examining it, and he finds a nail sticking out exactly where that person had been holding the shovel before. So once again, this patient had done permanent damage to his body without even realizing it had happened. And that's what really happens when we can't feel pain. We don't enter into this permanent state of euphoria where we don't have to worry about stubbing our toes or biting our tongues. When you can't feel pain, you end up hurting yourself and causing permanent damage to your body because you don't realize that anything is wrong at all. So believe it or not, the pain that we experience in our lives actually has a purpose. Pain has a purpose, and pain is a warning system that lets us know that something is wrong and that it needs our attention. That's what pain is there for. It is a warning system that lets us know that something is wrong that needs our immediate attention. And that's not just true for physical pain, like we've been talking about with Dr. Brand and the leprosy patients that he was treating. This is true for every kind of pain. Every kind of pain that we experience is a warning system to let us know that something is wrong that needs our immediate attention. It's true for our physical pain, our spiritual pain, our emotional pain, our psychological pain. All of these are warning systems telling us that something isn't right and that it needs our attention now. But this still doesn't explain why pain has to hurt so bad, does it? It tells us why we need pain, but it doesn't explain to us why pain has to hurt so bad. I mean, if pain is just a warning system to let us know that something is wrong, then why can't it work like the warning system that we all have on the dashboard of our cars, right? I mean, my car doesn't slam my fingers in the door to let me know that it needs an oil change or that the tire pressure is running a little bit low, and if it did, I'd be trading that car in like that. When my car needs immediate attention, a little warning light goes off on the dashboard and it lets me know that something is going on with my car. So why can't our bodies act that same way? Why can't we just have a warning light that goes off when we're experiencing pain? Why can't we have an alarm that sounds to let us know that something is going on? Why can't it be something just a little bit more pleasant to let us know that something's up instead of the pain, often excruciating pain, that we feel. Well, that actually brings me back to Dr. Brand and his work with patients with Hansen's disease. You see, because of his expertise in Hansen's disease and his knowledge of the way that this disease attacks the nervous system of those who are afflicted with it, 
He once received a grant that was worth millions of dollars, several million dollars, to design an artificial pain system. Now, we don't have time to go into all of the details of this entire project, but I want to share with you one small component of Dr. Brand's work. Because when Dr. Brand first started seeking out a way to design this artificial pain system, he wanted to do it in a way that didn't hurt his patients. He had read the various complaints that philosophers and theologians have made against our created world. The questions that they had asked about why God had designed a nervous system that didn't actually protect us but caused us pain instead. So Dr. Brand wanted to create some kind of warning system that would allow his patients to know that something was going wrong without the unpleasant aspects of pain. Here was his chance as a doctor, a medical professional, a learned man to improve on the original design by creating a protective system for his patients' bodies that didn't hurt them at all. So his team got together, and the first thing that they tried was to create an audible sign for the signal for the patients inside of a hearing aid that the group developed. This signal would be a low hum when the tissues were receiving normal pressures, but it would start buzzing loudly whenever they were exerting too much force in their hands and they were actually in danger of hurting themselves. What Dr. Brandon and his, his team found was that it was pretty easy for these patients to ignore the buzzing sound in their ear. And if it got too bad altogether, they'd just take the hearing aid out. If a patient that meant that if a patient with a damaged hand was working in their workshop and he was turning a screwdriver a little bit too hard and he heard this warning signal go off, he'd just override it. It wasn't enough to make him stop the work that he was doing and he turned the screwdriver harder anyway. This happened one, not just one time, but it happened so many times because people who did not feel pain could not be persuaded to trust this artificial sensor, this audible sound in their ear. So Brand's team went back to the drawing board. And the next thing that they tried were blinking lights, like the ones that we have on the dashboards in our car. But they soon el eliminated this for the exact same reason. People ignored the blinking lights, just like they ignored the sounds. So finally, Dr. Brand's team had to resort to electric shock, taping electrodes to the still sensitive portions of the body of the patients, places like their armpits. Why? because people had to be forced to respond to the pain. They had to be forced to respond because being alerted to the danger wasn't enough to make them stop the behavior. The, the, the stimulus had to be unpleasant, just like pain is unpleasant for us. So our pain has a purpose. It's a warning system to let us know that something is wrong that needs our immediate attention. And pain has to hurt because alerting us isn't enough. We have to be forced to respond. And if you think about that for a second, it makes perfect sense because we've all tried to override pain in our lives. If pain were just an alert system like the one that we have in our cars, we would absolutely ignore it. I'm willing to bet that right now, sitting inside of this sanctuary this very morning, there is somebody here that has had a check engine light flashing on your car dashboard for at least a couple of weeks, if not a few months. Even though your car's telling you something's wrong, you're still ignoring the signal altogether. Truth of the matter is, 
We even try to ignore the pain that we experience when it's real physical pain. When I started developing plantar fasciitis on my foot from my running, it took me a year before I saw a physical therapist to have someone tell me what was going on and how I could make it better. And how many of you have ever put off going to the dentist when you've had a toothache? Show of hands. If your hand's not up, I don't trust you. We've all done it. We have all avoided going to the dentist when we have a toothache. Anytime we have a tooth that starts hurting, what do we do? We pop in a couple aspirin, keep going on with our lives, try to ignore that pain altogether. But what happens when you try to ignore pain? It gets worse. It gets worse until you pay attention to it. M. Scott Peck, who was a psychiatrist and also the author of the book, The Road Less Traveled, explains it this way. When he says, the symptoms is the pain that we experience. And the illness, they're not the same thing. The illness exists long before the symptoms or the pain. Rather, the symptoms, the pain, they are the beginning of a cure. The fact that they are unwanted makes them all the more a phenomenon of grace, a gift from God, a message from our unconscious, if you will, to make us initiate self-examination and repair what is wrong. So for M. Scott Peck, the symptom of the pain, the symptom or the pain that we've been talking about this morning, is a gift of God's grace, letting us know that something is wrong and forcing us to repair it. Or as Dr. Paul Brand has put it himself, thank God for pain. Thank God for pain. And this brings me back to what we talked about last Sunday morning when we were together in this place. Last week, we spent our time together thinking about all of the things that people usually say to other folks when they're going through some kind of pain and suffering in their lives. But when we finished our time up together last week, we finished by hearing, hearing how God responded in the book of Job when Job asked God why Job was experiencing so much pain in his own life. And when God responded to Job, God responded by reminding Job that God is God, and we are not. God is God, and we are not, and as human beings, there are just some things that we cannot understand, no matter how hard we try to understand them. Pain is one of those things that we just cannot understand, no matter how hard we try to understand them. And no matter how hard I try to wrap my mind around what we've been talking about this morning, that pain is actually good for me and for you and for all of us, that just doesn't make any sense to me. It just doesn't make any sense that pain can actually be good for us. So whenever I stub my toe, whenever I bite my tongue, I don't think I'm ever going to feel thankful for it. I don't think I'm ever going to stop like Dr. Brand does and say, thank you God that I feel this pain from stubbing my toe or biting my tongue. I don't think I'm ever going to be thankful for it, for that feeling of pain surging through my bodies. And I'll tell you right here and now, I don't expect that one sermon's going to change that for me or for you. We're still going to have pain. We're still going to hate having pain too. We're still going to want to alleviate pain as quickly as we possibly can. And that's never, never going to change. And none of us are ever going to join in gleefully with Dr. Brand and thank God for the pain that we have in our lives. But that doesn't mean that God messed up when God allowed pain into this world. And that reminds me of something that God says to us in the book of Isaiah. 
So if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55. And as you're finding it, let me tell you just a little bit more about what's happening behind the scenes in this passage. This passage of Scripture, this passage in the book of Isaiah, is written while the people of Israel are living in exile in the Babylonian Empire. The Babylonians had invaded, they had conquered Israel, and they had forced the most prominent people in all of Israel, that is the king, the religious leaders, the scribes, the scholars, to leave their homes behind and be scattered out all across Babylon's empire. And the people of Israel, they couldn't understand why. They couldn't understand why this had happened. Why had they been conquered? Why had so many of them been hauled off into exile? Why were they going through all of this pain? And God responds to them in Isaiah 55. And we're going to look at verse 8 and 9 this morning. That's what Isaiah writes. The words from God. It says, My plans aren't your plans, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my plans higher than your plans. Let me read that again for you. My plans aren't your plans, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my plans higher than your plans. If you're listening, if you are listening to these words, you'll notice in this passage that while the people of Israel are wondering why, why they've been conquered, why so many have been hauled off into exile, why they're going through this pain, God does not justify Israel's pain. God does not explain to them why they were conquered. He does not clarify the reasons for that, their captivity. God simply states to them that God's plans are not the same as our plans and that God's ways are not the same as our ways. Or to put it another way, there are some things that we just cannot understand. There's some things that we just cannot understand, and pain is one of those things. Pain has a purpose in our world. Pain has a purpose in our lives. But that doesn't mean that we will ever appreciate pain. So, so far this morning, what we've talked about is that pain, in and of itself, isn't a bad thing. Pain can actually be a good thing for us. But pain can become a bad thing for us when we let it separate us from God. Pain becomes a bad thing when we let it separate us from God. Take the story that we've talked about over the last couple of Sundays as an example. The story of Claudia Claxton. Claudia Claxton was a newlywed who was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma disease, a cancer of her lymph glands. When she received her diagnosis, the news of this horrible disease, her doctors gave her a 50% chance to live. Now, the physical pain that Claudia felt wasn't enjoyable. It wasn't pleasurable. It wasn't something that she sought out or desired. But the physical pain that Claudia felt alerted her that something was wrong with her body and that it needed immediate attention. And even after her surgery, where she was cut open and they removed all of the cancer that they could find, the pain that she felt in her body still had a purpose. It was a way of telling her that she needed to slow down and let herself heal. So the physical pain that she experienced, 
in and of itself was not a bad thing. It wasn't a bad thing because ultimately that physical pain saved Claudia's life since she was able to receive the treatment that she needed. But that pain could have easily become a bad thing, a destructive thing, an agent of evil in her life if Claudia would have become wrapped up in the questions of why. Why did this bad thing happen to a good person? Why did God allow her to suffer like this? Why does God allow any of us to suffer at all? Those questions could have driven a wedge between Claudia and God. And I've seen that wedge be driven between people and God because of pain and suffering in their lives. I've seen it happen. I've sat down and I've talked with people who haven't been able to set foot inside of a church since September 11, 2001, when terrorists attacked our country and 2,996 people, innocent people, lost their lives. I know people who have not been able to utter a prayer since they lost a spouse or a child. I know people whose faith went flying out the window when they received a diagnosis similar to Claudius about a long-term debilitating disease. And it's because of this. It's because so many people have been driven away from God in the face of the pain and suffering they've seen in this world or experienced in their lives that you and I have to talk about pain and suffering. We have to talk about the problem of pain because we have to prepare ourselves to face pain and suffering in our lives and to help other people when they face pain and suffering in their lives too. It's like the, the Apostle Paul explains it in a letter that he writes to the early church in the city of Rome. When he writes this, I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not death or life, not angels or rulers, not present things or future things, not powers or height or depth or anything that is created. And you know what? Paul is absolutely right in what he says. Nothing can keep us from loving God. But pain can keep us from loving God. Nothing can keep God from loving us, but pain can keep us from loving God. So we need to learn how to face pain. We need to learn how to face suffering in our lives so that nothing will stand between us and God. And when we continue in this series of sermons in a couple of weeks, that's exactly what we're going to be doing. We're going to start talking about how it is we can face pain and suffering in this world and in our lives. Right now, let me pray for you. God, as we come together in this place this morning, you know. You know that there are many people sitting in this room, many people that can hear my voice right now that are experiencing pain in their lives. There are people here this morning that are experiencing physical pain, whether it's the early warning symptoms that something bigger is going on in their lives, whether it's arthritis that flared up this morning, whether it's plantar fasciitis or a toothache or something else that's going on. You know there are people experiencing physical pain right now, God. And you know that we're wondering why we have to feel this pain. God, let us be reminded that this pain isn't a bad thing in and of itself. It's letting us know that something's going on, that we need to slow down and take the time to make sure we're okay. God, you know that there are people that can hear my voice right now that aren't just experiencing physical pain, but they're having emotional pain or psychological pain or, or, or spiritual pain in their lives, God. And whenever we experience these things, we wonder why. Why does it have to hurt so bad? 
God, help us to see that all of these things are warning systems, letting us know that something's up that we need to address. And God, let us not allow these pains that we experience, whether they're physical, emotional, psychological, spiritual, or anything else, to stand between you and us. Because, God, we know that there is nothing that can keep you from loving us. But our pain can keep us from loving you the way that we should. So allow us to trust in you, in spite of the pain, in spite of the suffering that we may feel, knowing that you are with us, that you love us, that you are caring for us, and that you are working to bring our pain to an end. We pray it all in your Son's name. Amen. Hey, it's Adam again, and thank you for listening to this week's sermon podcast. We hope that it's helped you see that there is a purpose to the pain that we have in our lives, and that pain in and of itself isn't really a bad thing. It just becomes a bad thing when we let it separate us from God. In our next sermon podcast, we're going to be taking a trip into our sermon archives at Melbourne Heights, and we'll be sharing with you one of my favorite sermons from over the years. So we encourage you to tune back in next Tuesday when that episode drops. And as always, I've got just a couple of reminders for you before we go. Let me remind you to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already done that. And when next week's episode drops, it will be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. And while you're in that app, go ahead and give us a review. Your reviews mean a lot to us and they can really help spread the word about this podcast and help other people grow in their relationship with God as well. So as always, I hope that you guys have a blessed week and we will see you back here next Tuesday for another Melbourne Heights Sermon Podcast.